Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Osiris. Hey, this is Oteal. If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That's Oteal. That's Mike. We have a good one this week, huh, Oteal? Who do we have? Yes, we have Luther Dickinson and Brandon Taz Niederauer. Uh, Luther plays with North Mississippi All-Stars. They had them both on because um, we have a music camp together called Roots Rock Revival. And I think we did it for seven years before the pandemic shut us down. So we did not get to do it in 2020, which left a big gaping hole in our lives. But um, we're going to get to do it again this year. And we wanted to have them on to talk about it and let people get a feel for what it's like. Brandon said he started coming when he was, what, nine? Nine, eight, eight or nine, yeah. Eight or nine years old. It's wild. And uh, so, and now he's a teacher there <laughs> after having, you know, played with umpteen famous people and starred on yeah. Broadway and School of Rock and in a movie and all kinds of stuff. So uh, uh, it was a good time, man. Yeah, totally. Luther's the man. I, North Mississippi All-Stars, I love so much. They're one of my favorites of all time. And uh, just to hear him talk about their, you know, mat- maturation <laughs> from, you know, they used to be the blow the blow the doors off the place loud. And he's like, nice and cool now. So, uh, yeah, so don't adjust, adjust your dials. Uh, what you see is real here. And uh, <laughs> So you're here with us on Osiris Network, home to so many great podcasts. Check them all out at OsirisPod.com and visit us at Patreon.com slash Comes a Time Pod and uh, get lost in some wormholes with us and get a bonus episode every week. Enjoy and uh, we will catch you next week. Until next time, peace. I want one of those shit, and then it's not like you I know. think it's trippy, man. You I like mean, what this are we trying one? to do here? <laughs> See, I like how it's like this cool. I mean, dude, that's great. All right, I'll leave that then. And it's just an app, or it's a yeah, it's some gamer. I'm not into playing games online, but it's like apparently you can set up your background so you could game and people don't see your mom cooking and. You know, I mean, dude, that's a lot easier than the shit I'm going through here setting these things up. It's with all stands the, yeah, the fucking... gamers figured it out, dude. Gamers have like, at the, you know, 
the younger generation pyramids in the background we're in yeah let's do that brandon how did you brandon did you escape the gaming addiction or do you fall into that do you like it or do you just like no i can't do it i mean i'm i'm pretty addicted to games especially in quarantine you know like yeah when there's nothing to do i me and my brother just rage and annoy our parents (laughs) what games do you play i don't even know if this is a cool way to ask i don't know anymore no, nah, I, I play uh, Call of Duty a lot, Grand Theft Auto. I play uh, 2Ks, basketball game, just everything. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Everything. I, yeah, everything that my brother thinks he's better than me at, I got to prove him wrong. So <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> what? Do you have some nice controllers? Is it hard on your hands? No, I, I, we, we just use the regular ones. And, you know, it's, it, they're not too hard on our hands. Do you ever bring it on the road with you? Yeah, I do actually. I have a portable console. It's called um, a Nintendo Switch. And yeah, yeah. Sometimes my bandmates and I, or some of my friends in other cities, will just play Mario Kart. And it's really fun. <laughs> it's really fun, especially when the trash talking hits. <laughs> You're not playing Animal Crossing. I do have that. I do play that. I do play that. That's what my son does. Animal Crossing. It's a great game too. Is it as like Frogger 2020? There's that- there's, there's no killing in it. There's no killing in it. Frogger I know that. 2020. That's the game I want to play. Yeah. Frogger's fun too. Frogger was the shit. When I was on the road one time doing like killing time in the mall, I think it was like the Mall of America. I was doing like the comedy, uh, the House of Comedy there. And they have a mall that's like one whole floor is just all Lego like castles and stuff that you can like go. It's amazing. You get lost in this like Lego city. They have an actual like uh, tide pool inside the mall. And they had a shop that sold an old portable Nintendo that came with like one controller and it had every Nintendo game ever downloaded on it. So you could just like plug it in like via USB and play it wherever. And that was alluring to me because those were the games that I, the minute that you needed both thumbs to move your purse, your avatar in like various directions, like that's when I gave up. Yeah, yeah. So I was a one Atari thumb joystick guy. with the red yeah, button. I'm a one uh, thumb uh, guy. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I used to make fun of that stuff so much because guys would just spend so many hours Excuse doing me. it. And I was like, but you don't actually win anything. And then I found out that there was people like making a lot of money doing it. I was Man. like, oh, well, shut my mouth, you know. <laughs> Brandon, you don't get involved in like the watching people play it, do you? Uh, I do, but it's more for the people playing it. Cause sometimes it's funny watching people like go insane over games, but it's, it's very addicting to watch, especially, you know, long car rides. You got like nothing to do. You just watch somebody play. You know, but see, that's what, that's what got me with my son. Uh, I made mm. the mistake of letting him watch YouTube. And so it was Ryan's world first. And then I started to get hip to, oh, this is just a commercial that's masquerading as a show. But then, so I cut that off after spending lots of money on toys. And then it shifted, and I was like, oh, this is the algorithm. It's always just going to keep changing. The last place he landed was watching people play Minecraft. And I said, well, you know, maybe I should just get him Minecraft, even though he's not supposed to have it till he's like eight and he's six. But I already, the dad fail already happened. And I was like, at least he'll get some. You know, skills this way. And then Eric, our tech, said, well, he also learns coding. And I was like, well, that's good. And then 
little dude got me because, you know, he kills cows and chickens. And my wife was like, I thought we were going to stop the killing. I I'm still hearing killing. And he's like, well, we eat chicken nuggets. We got to, you know. <laughs> and he's like, you know, we eat cheeseburgers. And I also use the leather for armor. And pork chops. I got to have my pork chops. And I was like, he's got us, babe. It's six. He's got us. Like, what can we say? They're like. He's so virtually he's virtually eating better than I am in real life. <laughs> so I try to shift him over. I found out there's another mode called creator mode where you just build stuff and nobody's trying to Ooh. kill you. Yeah. Uh, zombies and nether <laughs> spiders or whatever, you know. So he's Man. he's into that too. I got him away from the killing. Luther, think <laughs> think about that going on the road at 17, 18 years old and having a Nintendo Switch. Dude. <laughs> Instead you of we had, we had pay, and, <laughs> we had pay phones and ran McNally. You know what I mean? Like, totally, we had a map. Your triple A trip ticks. <laughs> yeah, the it truck. was hard, man. Yeah, dude. I remember when I found out about the trucker map, I was like, wow. Because we used trip ticks. Yeah. You know, it was like the whole country is laminated in one thing. You know? But then you deep. had the the three-headed dog up front, because if something was closed, it would never reroute. Right. Oh. Yeah. So then you had to get on the map. And so, you know, of course, three different guys have three different opinions <laughs> about which way to go. I thought that GPS, I was like, three-headed dog is over. Tom, Tom up there. You know, still even with that, like when we, because we use a truck and a van. So when we jump in and we hit the GPS, we found it's good to have two people GPS the same thing. Because you never, I mean, one bad move. Or one wrong switch, and it'll fuck up your whole day, you know? So, yeah, I feel like sometimes mine takes me in in a loop for no reason. I was like, what? What? Dude, I wasn't I just here two seconds ago. When I'm driving, I I go Google Maps and Waze and compare the two because sometimes one will be all tweaked, you know? Like, Waze lately has been awful around Manhattan, like, it'll throw me right into like closed roads and stuff where Google Maps just kind of sticks to Google Maps is like a confident, reliable friend. And Waze is like your ADD buddy that like drank too much coffee. And he's like, no, go left. No, screw it. Recalculate, like start over. And it's just, it's a pain. Yeah. But Brandon, we probably sound like such dinosaurs when we were, we used to have to go to AAA and walk into a place and go, here's our itinerary. And they would give us a flip, like a legal pad. Of like from oh, place wow. one to place two, place two to place three. Damn, we never did that. along the way. My mom would do that man. when I would tell her what fish shows I was going to. She'd get all excited. <laughs> She'd make me a trip tick. Isn't that cute? And chicken cutlet sandwiches. <laughs> the wow, fish tick. I mean, you could call it a fish, fish stick. Yeah, my <laughs> <laughs> fish stick. <laughs> and some what weed a, money. What am I need more weed can money? I, can I have balloon money? Please. <laughs> oh my God. Have hey, we started this podcast? Yeah, we, like, we have. Yeah, we're already oh, gone. That's why I say we, we, just we, do, we do the intros later and Eric can edit it too. But I know we're supposed to be talking <laughs> about Roots balloons, Rock Revival. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> there will be no balloons at Roots Rock Revival. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Right. You know, speaking of Roots Rock, <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, I can't wait to do it again. It's like, Yes. We're back. Yeah. Man, so awesome. That was a long break. Feels yes. like it should never happen again. I'm sitting here with three people who I love watching play so much. I love watching the two our two guests actually physically like the way that you play. 
the way your faces are and the way that you you look so just in tr- like in a trance. Same with O'Teal, but in a totally more peaceful way. Um, but you guys just look so. I'm just so happy to be sitting here with you guys because I'm thinking about like watching you all play, and it's just you guys wear it on your faces. You know, I think about how I just missed both of you. Uh, Brandon, I missed you because the kids just wore me out. <laughs> oh, woke, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I woke up too late or something. I just, and Luther, I, I just, just missed you like super recently. So good to be um, back on the road, man, making music again. We're yeah. essential. We are essential. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I feel. How has it felt for both of you starting up again? Man, it feels, it feels great for me. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, so for some people, it's going to the gym. For me, you know, I got to get the music out there. And it, it's just a feeling that, you know, it replenishes me. And it's like an hour and a half of not thinking about anything else that's going on in the world right now. So, yeah. you know, it's just God gave me this gift of playing guitar and I wanted to, you know, do it. And I always want to do it every day. So any chance that I get, I don't take it for granted anymore. And uh, I, I just love being on the road again. It's It's a breath of fresh air for sure. Did you do a lot of practicing in that time off? I see you as like yeah. just going bananas. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you put me in touch with Tom Guarna, who I actually took a lot of lessons with. And um, I, so he's got me, you know, like grinding and uh, yeah, getting my jazz chops up, you know, trying to fill Ooh. all those holes. And yeah, I've just been, you know, in the shed. <laughs> he, he did the same thing to me over the pandemic. I'm but still trying took, to, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out that triplet triplet lick you showed me at Roots Rock two years ago, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy that. When you you know, there's something about practicing in your teens that is magical. That practicing evolves and it changes. And but man, when man, it's so magical uh, when you're when it's like something about the attention span. I think changes for me. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. It's a lot changed, but the practicing I did when I was your age, you know, served me so well, always. Did you need help, uh, Brandon, with like the discipline of practicing or did you just like wake up and the first thing you'd grab is your guitar? Man, uh, especially in this pandemic, uh, I just had a routine where I just wake up and grab it Mm. and just keep going because there's nothing else to do. I was locked in my house. So I was like, I might as well just grind it out and uh you know it saved me i don't know what i'd be doing if i didn't have it and what kind of mind space i'd be in because i know a lot of people unfortunately don't have a you know pathway to go in their day where they can you know enjoy it all the time since they've been locked in their house but yeah it's just every day the routine just get up grab the guitar and just you know look over a little book i have and just go through everything just try to be better see that's why it's like that luther because I just realized the difference between my pandemic practice routine and when I was a teenager is having a three-year-old and a six-year-old. <laughs> so when I wake up, I don't when they get up like super early and it's like, whoosh, whoosh, you Whoa. know, so it's like my practice routine was sitting up late with Tom Guarna, like between midnight and four in the morning or, so, or three or whatever, yeah. you know, so I'm sure... Luther with kids, oh, you man. still have to like negotiate that part of it. 
Luckily, I use a lot more sleep than they do, you know, so I wake up or the earlier, the better I can wake up in the later. I learned a great thing from Anders Osborne, because at first as a family man, he would write his songs. He would try to be private. And and but then he, he realized that if he just opened it up, he just writes in the kitchen, you know, like with his wife. And it's a <laughs> mm, family thing. Yeah. And I've yeah. tried to I, I think that's really good because also it exposes the family to music. And they're like, you know, if I'm just walking around with a guitar. Not, you know, the, of course, they'll grab the neck, like, stop it, dad. Or, you know, <laughs> dude, kids have changed. It's so funny because, like, people, you know, playing with Phil Lesh for the last 11 years, off and on, you know, I definitely uh, evolved my sound and my tone and my approach in every way. But I used to play real distorted and I've just been getting more and more and more and more and more and more clean. And a lot yeah. of people think it's Jerry, but it's daughters. It's not. <laughs> it's my girls, they hate distorted guitar. As soon as I fire on the fuzz, they're just like, oh, no, yuck, stop it. You know, and anytime they hear any like rock guitar, they're just like, Ugh. but they love guitar. They just don't like the aggressive, loud guitar. It's funny, man. So <laughs> having daughters has definitely widened my horizons, you know, <laughs> for sure. You know, you, know, that, you know, I was thinking about Roots Rock and thinking about what we could talk about. And of course, we all have Colonel Bruce in common and, yeah. and you know, something. I'm fascinated with the the, lesson, the the great lessons that we all, the teachers have all taught us. Because, I mean, I know that we're all like of the mind that it's not even us. It's our elders. It's the music. It's like Eric Gales calls it the L. You know, it comes from above through us to the people. The L, yeah. you know, like we that. all, that's all in our, in all of our mindsets. But then that led me to thinking about, well, it's not just my elders, man. And that's what Roots Rock has really fueled me and changed my life. Because it's you guys, Brandon, man. It's the youth, man. You yeah. guys have taught me so much. And every year, it's just like, you you fill my battery up of, of there is another youthful aspect of fire, you know, of just like the enthusiasm and the fire and the energy. And it just, it's been such a wonderful thing. And what you said about uh, watching us play Mike, you know, that's something else I learned from, from Brandon. Cause, cause you posted on Instagram, a picture of Lara and she was making a guitar face and you're like, it's all about the feeling. And man, that just hit me like right in the heart. You know, it's so true, man. It's all about the feeling. It could really just be one note if you're really feeling it, you know? And, and I just wanted to point out that in our discussion, of course, it'd be fun to talk about the elders. What do we learn from Bob and, and, and yeah. Phil and, and Colonel Bruce, but you know, the youth, man, I've learned so much from you guys still continuously. Also as ev the guitar and music evolves and changes, you know, you guys mm. play styles that I don't even, I'm not even hip to, you know? Yeah. I mean, the roots experience, like, you know, well, obviously, you know, all the youth look up to you guys and, you know, for you guys to pave the way with all the lessons and you know we always i always see O'Teal, you know over there giving bass lessons every five seconds to everybody and you know i just it, it was really you guys who you know opened up the floodgates to all this new knowledge to all of us and then we just try to use that in all the jams and you know i i think it's the youth who definitely stays up till four or five a.m every night jamming and uh, only gets two hours of sleep a night but you know that's just it's the roots experience and it's just, you know, like you said, it's replenishing that battery. And every time my brother goes to Roots, he's like, oh, my God, like, I feel so much better. I'm ready to just jam every day. 
He's like, and he actually talked to me about it yesterday. He was like, I can't wait. I can't wait to go. It's been two years. It's too long. So it's like we all get that experience where, you know, we're all so inspired by each other. And I think that's why it's really great. You know, I have like a curve that I went on because at first I was like staying up late. And then I was like, man, I'm, I'm just too tired to like stay up that late. Like I'm good for the first part. And then so then I would go to bed and then, the you know, Nigel started coming and and so I was really getting tired out. And then now I'm like, well, I'll, I'll go back to bed in a minute, you know, if I might still stand up later again. Because yeah. that's, you know, what I love is when I walk by, for people that don't know about Roots Rock, it's in big Indian New York at a place called Full Moon Resort. They do a lot of weddings and stuff. Up. Incredible property. So there's cabins all over the place. It's probably, well, at least four different jam spots. Actually, probably more because uh, there's a downstairs cafe. So as you walk through, you know, there's trails going. As you walk around the property, you hear stuff. I hear something over there. I hear something over there. I hear... So then somebody catches my ear like Lara. Always. She got me like five times. I was like, oh, who is that? Well, I got to walk that 50 yards over here and see who that is. I look in and it's her. You know, like I just heard her last year, you know, mm. but with the younger people that come back, you hear this that goes up and up and up. And you're just like, whoa. It's really, you hear the jams get better. You know, it's like, oh, they were listening to us. You know, it's like, it's taking. And then, and you guys have relationships that go. It seems to me formed at the camp and continued outside the camp the rest of the year, right? Right, yeah, Brandon? For sure. I mean, I'm so I talk to some of them daily that I met there. And uh Lara's like a sister to me now. I talk to her all the time. And like there's so many, so many relationships that we all make at Roots. It's like a family. It truly is, you know. And uh everyone whoever comes there for their first year comes back and it's like I made this whole, you know, all these new brothers and sisters and Anytime that I'm in any of their cities, it's an instant. Where are we jamming right now? Because, you know, we got to relive <laughs> that roots experience. So it's really, it's really a family aspect. How old were you when you first came? I was probably, probably nine, nine, eight or nine, which is kind of crazy. It's <laughs> great. That's why that's I was asked because I was like, I bet it's going to be younger than I thought. But no, <laughs> that makes sense. I remember you when you were little. So cute, man. <laughs> You're a grown a man new... now. Not quite, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you had your face up at Times Square. <laughs> Not bad. Well, yeah. I mean, like for people who don't know, like Brandon, you know, he came at nine as a student, but now he's a teacher. You know, like yeah, yeah. I mean. That's something I wanted to ask you, Brandon. Like, you know, you're obviously still learning, as we all are, with you Always. know everything in life, but being a teacher and being a student, do you think that pulls from that same pool? Like, do you feel like you are learning from the same place that you're teaching? Yeah, uh, for sure. And it all just comes with, you know, people like Jimi Hendrix said, you know, you can learn from anybody. And I'm always, whenever I'm there, I'm always learning, you know, it's not like I have to learn from this person because he's better than me or anything like that. It's like everyone has something to bring from their, you know, distinct backgrounds and everyone's better than you at something. So there's always just keeping that open mind and yeah. just trying to absorb all of that like a sponge. And uh, everyone there, you know, always has good intentions and it's always just trying to learn and just be better. And that's why I think it's just, it just fuels creativity, that environment, especially when there's, you know, there's no self-service really, it's very weak self-service. So no one's on their phones. 
you know, it's, it's just a whole community environment. You're eating with different people every day, meeting new people every second. And uh, by the end of the week, we're all buddies. So it's always amazing. <laughs> I love it, man. It's awesome too. Like even in life, not even just with music, it's like you can learn from the, I don't want to say the bad, but you can learn from the non-traditional route of education, right? I mean, you could pick things up and go, maybe that's something I don't want to do, right? Yeah, for sure. Pick that up even as like, I think as I get older, I realize that I can acknowledge that I'm learning more from maybe what not to do or not to be so, uh, judgmental of myself or rush myself or, you know, the patience thing. Like Luther, you said, like, you're starting to play cleaner, like less, you know, like to me, that's, I love when I hear that from like a tenured musician, that's like, yeah, I'm starting to like turn down the distortion or mm, go acoustic totally. or go like O'Teal's playing the banjo. Like, it's so neat that it's just like, you go to like a different, you know, it's still coming out of you. It, a banjo retuned my ears completely. Cause, um, I just spent so much time alone. Jess was in Africa when I was playing, so I was literally in the house alone. And it's, you just get into that acoustic thing, which I never did because I never played upright bass. The only acoustic instrument I played the most was uh, drums, which is really mm. loud. You know? mm. But then when I started playing quiet, it just became so meditative, you know? And uh, I, that's really fun at Roots Rock, too, because we have those, those jams down by the stream, you know yeah. and uh, acoustic yeah sounds like and even if there's little amps and stuff it's oh, really yeah. idyllic looking like i should get eric to flash some some shots of it i'll send him when when, when it actually airs maybe he could put them in but some of those jams out there but you know to get back what you were saying too about what not to do we talk about that a lot at roots because the, the age uh range is goes way down like what was our youngest kid there like seven, <laughs> seven, eight, something. And so, you know, we've played with a lot of rock stars who put themselves through the ringer. Many of them didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about that stuff. Like, hey, you don't want to go down this path, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's Hope important I- to let them see that too. I think he, Brandon accidentally j- dropped off, but he'll come back in a minute. I think that's so important too. And that's something even from like, We've talked about that, Oteal, just like having a mentor. Luther, I'd love your thoughts on this too. Just like kind of, you know, getting putting down the instruments and sitting around and maybe a meal and talking and like just figuring out the, the, the stuff that we learned and pick up along the way, you know. I think one of the most important things I learned about being a touring comic was the offstage stuff, <laughs> you know, like try not to leave so many footprints, you know, like mm. don't, don't always wonder how, how, like how many drinks are free or don't always try to get like, you know, it be like kind of a, uh, a thorn in everyone's side. Like do your gig, be professional, be a good hang. And that helped me so much with my career and, and open up so many more opportunities, you know? And it was through listening to my mentors. I think that made me realize that. Because you hear the stories of the people that blew it, <laughs> you know? Colonel Bruce, man. I, I mean, I never played in his band, but we had one conversation in Atlanta that changed my life, you know? And some of it was a stage etiquette, you know? The the biggest one was, be it 10 people, 100 people, or 100,000 people, don't let the the audience 
uh, uh, <clears throat> adjust your frame of mind, like train yourself to be in your music, no matter where or who or when you're mm -hmm. playing, you know, because if it's 10 people or 10,000 people, and you let that uh, mess up your frame of mind, that's just your ego fucking with you, be right. it you're frustrated or intimidated. And man, especially when Colonel told me that it really set me free, you know, but back to the etiquette thing, he'd be like, he didn't want like this is what he told me. I don't know if, too, if, if you had to adhere to this, but like you couldn't make contact with the girls in the audience. You couldn't interact with the audience. He didn't think that was professional. You couldn't take a drink of water. He's like, you don't, you don't see Michael Jordan drinking water on the court. You know, he's like, he was hardcore. He was hard on it. Like I did all those things. I certainly was trying to make contact with as many girls as possible. But, um, but no, he did have a, I, I think some of it actually was tailored to the specific person, you know? So, but he was very, he would beat you up about some stuff. I mean, he did come from a military background, you know? And really? So. Yeah, they started calling him Colonel at like three. I think his family had some of the youngest officers in like military history. Whoa. He went to Gordon Military Academy on a golf scholarship or something like that. Wow. But he wow. he was very, yeah, he would poke you with a stick or throw something at you. <laughs> he beat us up good. He beat us up good. But, you know, I was like 24. <laughs> Just completely crazy. Like, yeah. completely crazy. So he had his work cut out. I apologized to him many times about what oh, I what a put him through, you know. <laughs> but he was. He was. He, and it's funny that you say that, like, it could be one conversation that he has with you that's it sticks out. Yeah. On your deathbed, you'll remember it. Do you have a, a colonelism, Brandon? Yeah. Oh man, I bet. I mean, I first of all, I mean, Colonel, <laughs> I I miss him every day. You know, he he believed in me before I believed in myself. And oh uh, man, you know, he just uh, <laughs> absolutely crazy the things he did, and you know, just supported me always. But uh, there were many times where he freaked me out. Specifically, I know everyone went through this, but like when he guessed my birthday. Uh, he did like that to you too. First time he met me. First oh time he met God. me. And I was like, he said it. He said March 16th, 2003. And I was like, uh, Dad, I don't know if I'm safe here. <laughs> but uh, it just it turned into a really amazing thing where he was such a great mentor to me. And um, oh my he, God. he, there were so many wacky things he did. The reason why I always use Waze on the road is because he told me to. He said, never use Google Maps, never use anything else, only use Waze. And to this day, whenever we use Google Maps, we always end up in a traffic jam. Like <laughs> yesterday, actually, ended up in a two-hour traffic jam because we didn't use Waze. So still wow. looking out for us. Um, I think he does that because he could spiritually enter Waze yeah. easy, easier than he can Google Maps. <laughs> He's like, Just use Waze. I, I got yeah. you. No, got for you. sure. I mean, it, there's some wacky things that still happen that, you know, I know the colonel's still with us and you yeah. know, he's, he's uh, just, his presence is always in, you know, the music and it's always in all of us. So we, does a number six follow you also? Yeah, it does. It's, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird, man, but I love it. It's, it's like awesome weird. What's the number six? I'm fascinated. <laughs> he, was, with six. he had this whole thing with the number six. And then this uh, lady who's an astrologer that was trained by him and his astrology teacher sent me this whole long thing. Oh, yeah, six is the first perfect number. I can't even tell you. Like, it's geometry and all this stuff. Beautiful. And um, 
so there's a thing behind it, but he was obsessed with it, or it was obsessed with him. And then when you start to notice it, it starts to follow you. Even my wife, who's not like, you know, she's like, this is a little nuts. Like <laughs> Jen Hartswick, she was like, dude, all the time. Now I'm like, it's just his way of, you know, <laughs> something about it. Yeah. What it's about amazing. a Kreutzmann or, or Bob, man? You know, what? Well, you know, Colonel Bruce and Kreutzmann met at this uh, private party we were doing. And so, of course, and Butch Trucks, who started Roots Bruce. Rock Revival, was there too. Whoa. So all three of them are Tauruses. So oh. Bruce figures out all this stuff, and he's just like, he's just going on both of them. He figured out that Bruce's either grandfather or uncle or it's the same relative relationship. Like it's either an uncle or a grandfather coached against Kreutzmann's grandfather at some like college football or something. Oh my God. You know, and we were just like, what? Wait a minute. Like, here he goes again. You know, Wow. (laughs) I turn and I look and Kreutzmann's like, what? You know, and I just see it off in the distance. I'm like, Bruce is getting Kreutzmann, man. But, (laughs) but, you know, Bruce knew them from, the 60s also and when we had Par- Steve Parrish on he started reminiscing about Bruce and it took me a minute to realize that he was talking about 69 wow like mm. he has memories of Colonel Bruce back then wow so it's great uh anytime Bruce and and Billy were together is just they had real they had a real thing you know I always I always wondered if Bruce and and Zappa or Captain Beefheart and them like all kind of yeah, if they ever Br- crossed paths. Bruce is on a Zappa record. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I think they met in Atlanta because I, I if I'm not mistaken, the colonels knew who uh Christoph Pendereski was a, a classical composer whose music everyone's heard in The Shining. Mm-hmm. It's actually what makes the sca- the Shining so scary. Right. And Zappa was kind of blown away that he even knew. Maybe he was like, wow, people in Georgia know who that is, you know? <laughs> but they became fast friends, and Zappa had him record on one of his records. I don't know if he knew Beefheart, though. I have to ask Mike Holbrook or something. But yeah, it was great having Colonel out at the camp. He wouldn't tell the story of the Sixes. Remember, I tried to oh, get him yeah. to tell it. Yeah. I said, would you feel comfortable telling it? It's like a DM tree, a DMT trip uh, gone horribly bad. Wow. Whoa, really? Not well, I mean, yeah. Very dark overtones. So he didn't he declined to do it, but I tried to get him to kind of reveal the wow. the mystery of the six. It was June sixth, nineteen sixty six when it happened. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. You know, six, 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 six. Roots Rock Revival, we do do serious classes as well. <laughs> it's not all <laughs> three, four jams and hanging out and, and reminiscing on excursions. Yeah, but I think that stuff's important too That's because, right. you know, like uh, there's certain cats, like if you go take a lesson with Guarna or with Mike Clark, like I took a drum lesson with Mike Clark, the drummer with the Headhunters. You may end up sitting down listening to records and talking about stuff. And I actually want to do that at Roots where we, well, we have in a way, we've played stuff. And like you could pause it and say, yeah. you know, a lot of it's the listening and the talking that, you know, but then you do also have that great, like when John Medeski leads like oh. the ultimate like architecture of funk class. Amazing. <laughs> that was he, the best. He just alien. killed that. Yeah. John's down. Uh, we're still 
nailing him down, but nice. excellent. There's been some great teachers. So many. Yeah. Yeah. We had Bernard Purdy come one year. That was insane. That was crazy <laughs> where he was just, you know, demonstrating the Purdy shuffle and like everyone look, if you looked around, everyone's eyes were like, yo, like this is insane. Like it was, it was just, a, that was crazy to me that he would Dude, do that for us. You talk about learning from mistakes. That was a huge learning from a mistake of mine because I got the chance to play with Bernard and then I saw an Instagram clip of it and I was like, I was just playing rhythm guitar, but it was too damn loud. And I was just like, mm. I am such an ass, like just playing with this elder <laughs> statesman of the, I mean, this, the man, I like, turn yourself down, son, you know, and, and literally it's, it was really so embarrassing to see. And, it really, and, it, and it's there for all time. And it was there in the moment <laughs> with all of us, you know, and that's just, a, a, uh, but yeah. But all the, the good videos are out there that you swing don't back about. to it's learning the one from your you, mistakes, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Oh, I made a terrible one. I was at a <laughs> NAMM show and someone said, do you want to meet Peter Erskine? And I was like, uh that's the most rhetorical question ever. I mean, that's the band that I saw with Jocko and Robert Thomas Jr. Weather Report lineup that made me want to do it, right? So I get to meet him, and they go, you guys want to play together? And I was like, oh, uh, I wasn't ready for that, you know? Um, so, But he was like, sure, man, we did it, you know? So we played some, like, uh, easier of the Coltrane tune, like impressions or something like that, you know. So I played, I took a solo, I went back into the head, you know, we got through the end of it. I was like, Whew, I got through. He's like, man, you're really good, you know. Uh, next time, uh, don't forget to let the drummer solo too. And I was just like, oh, man, just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was so nervous, man. Yeah, I was just like, oh. Music man. is ever humbling, man. <laughs> just like, I still, it just kills me. He was so nice, though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's good when that happens to you, though, right? When you see the Purdy thing. Oh, my God. It's good. It's good. Eating your vegetables, right? <laughs> <laughs> we bust chops on kids sometimes, right? Some of us more than others. Like, man. You turn down. I can't hear the soloists. Yeah, yeah. You play a rhythm, and I can't hear the soloists. <laughs> and we learn ourselves. We bust chops on each other. You know, it's uh, we get down and dirty with it. Luther, has the teaching thing always been in you? Like, do you really enjoy the education of it all? And you know, some people shy away from being a mentor, being a leader. You know, I do love teaching. I'm self-taught, and even my vernacular is like street theory, you know what I mean? And, but maybe that perspective can be helpful to other kids. I just try and make it easy, you know, maybe to a fault. Like I, I don't mind teaching beginners, you know, like I can, I can get a beginner to have some fun with a guitar in like five minutes, you know, or a drum or whatever, you know, it's like, I like to keep it. I love teaching, <laughs> but uh, I'm not. Was education, most. were you a, in school were you like studious or were you couldn't wait to get out i painted and drew my way through high school you know i, nice. I did nice. i'd had that but my dad told me he was a musician and he but he told me uh rock and roll is self-taught you know because he grew up 
where there was no, you know, there was rock and roll was such a mystery. You just had to study records, you know, and yeah. I could talk about that forever, but in pre-internet, you know, I would go to the library and I'd buy little magazines and uh, guitar player magazines and, or VHS tapes or just pick up the needle or hit rewind and just doing it. But also I learned, I had a lot of great guitar teachers, you know, Sean Lane, um, Ed Finney, a great jazz teacher. Um, but also I learned from my peers, you know, um, my crew of musicians that we've, we're still friends and we all grew up together. You learn it just as much from your peers, just like kind of friendly competition, you know, but dude, yeah. when we were like teenagers, like, tripping balls we would go see aquarium rescue unit like those dudes yeah. were huge to us like we we <laughs> how, didn't how did you get in i had my ways man <laughs> <laughs> we first met you could like, grow a beard at 18 i remember i talked to jimmy in an alleyway in oxford mississippi like way before i, I met you i don't know if sean lane introduced us or not because you were friends with sean and we were playing with sean but that was years later no there was a great moment in the 90s, I was grown by then, but uh, do you remember when Arl Burnside sat in with Colonel Bruce in the Aquarium Rescue Unit? Oh my god, and Sean Lane was there too in Memphis at the yeah, Omni New the, Daily. Oh, that's right, that when they, at the same time, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, Bruce, how did you pull this off? Like Sean Lane and Arl on the it was, stage at the same time, and we were backstage. I was just sitting there, we were all backstage just looking at Arl. Colonel Sean Lane. And we're and like we're joking about the diminutive augmented scales, you know. And RL looks over, he's like, it's all E to me. <laughs> and then RL comes to sit in. And Sean, like, I, for you, you guys who don't know, I mean, he was the fastest, smoothest, most soulful Dude. guitar player of all time. A genius. So fast. And a, yeah. a friend of us all. And um, the most chops of anybody, like Holdsworth, like Holdsworth Art Tatum level just like culturing wow. sheets of sound off the scale yeah off the scale but he could also make you cry uh with soul yeah. but anyway uh <laughs> rl's doing jumper on the line and ot walked he's sitting down ot you walked right up and you 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 crouched down beside him and you were watching him and he's and this is a, a hill country and and jimmy goes to the forecourt you're like mm, not yet <laughs> I don't even remember that. That's great. <laughs> you were watching and translating, and Jimmy just went right to that forecourt. You're like, mm, 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 mm. well, a lot of those older guys, they don't they don't follow a 12 bar. Oh, I feel bad now, but I did that to Jimmy on stage. But remember, you uh, did right. Yours. Remember uh, El Diablo. What was his name? Oh yeah, uh, I know who you're talking about. He, he used to come to uh, to Atlanta all the time. Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on as a really old blues guy. So Colonel Bruce takes me to see him, and he's not following 12 bar. He's just doing his thing, and when he feels like changing, he changes. And the bass player is getting more and more and more upset. And I just wanted to so bad just go, dude, I know you could keep the money. Let me play the rest of this set because I love this. Right. Just like waiting and you're like, here it comes. And then they get you and they're like, yeah, you know. <laughs> so RL's like that. I mean, he's you say he's hill country. What's the, Can you explain the difference? Uh, well, Delta Blues, you know, is more famous for Robert Johnson and Charlie Patton. But that was the thing of, the, of, of a long time ago, you know. But the hill country, like literally the Mississippi River and then the Delta in Arkansas, Mississippi. And then you, and the Delta rises as you go east uh, into Mississippi. And it's, it's hilly country. You know, so you yeah. go up, 
the bluff and that's where we grew up is in the hill country and hill country music is different than delta blues and like rl burns said that particular song never even went to the four court it just stays on the e it's like it's all e it's all e to me <laughs> but the it's like drone jo- like like yeah. the indian exactly. music you know <laughs> that's what turned me out because like be it like modal psychedelic rock and roll or indian classical music or uh modal jazz um, and then when I found Hill Country Blues, I was like, wow, this like scratches the same itch, you know, of yeah. that trance. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wool. For more than 25 years, Smart Wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. That's it too, man. That's, that's really something we're trying to get the kids to and the adults too. I, we don't make it all seem like because we, I think we have had like kids, parents, and grandparents at the camp, and you know, so we want every we want to get everybody onto that trance pathway, you know, because I think it's a great teacher too, you know, yeah. at the groove has taught me just about everything, you know, and the trance of you know harmonically also can do it too and the improv the trance of improv teaches you a lot you know sure but uh i like i like that we have this this generational thing you know for i'm trying to be better about my cussing and stuff now at the camp you know <laughs> when well, butch was there it was off the rails <laughs> you know, but, we were like there's kids butch there's kids <laughs> But you know, (laughs) that's that's something that I'd love to ask ask you, Brandon. Is that like you know you're surrounded by a family? You have your family, right? You have your brother and your family, but then you have this other family, your music family. And earlier you said like you know Roots Rock Revival. It's like you know that family keeps growing. You get new brothers and sisters. I think that was the most uh, rewarding part of starting comedy in my life. Was I started to find the people that. I realized there were other people like me, like I wasn't in this alone, you know, and you're able to find that and grow up in it. Um, I just wondered if you had any thoughts about that, like having that you have your other family that you are an integral, you're sitting here with two other like, you know, musicians who have had such different experiences and paths and you're all together and, you know, it's gotta be pretty neat to experience that at such a young age. Yeah. Uh, especially with, uh, all the people who went there, whether they were eight years old or, you know, 60, 70 years old, everyone's just for the music and for that feeling, and you know, serving the camp and bringing what they have to the table and just trying to learn. And specifically with Butch and uh, all of the mentors, uh, they all had their different ways of, you know, teaching and all their different ways of love. Butch specifically, very tough love. I remember him (laughs) yelling at a kid and throwing a drumstick at him. (laughs) <laughs> really? he didn't go to the, because he wasn't listening and he didn't go to the five chord which was funny 
But that's just one example of like, you know, it's all love and everyone's all the mentors really care about, you know, what they're doing. There's no more violence, I'd say. But um, it, it doesn't get that violent anymore. That was like years ago. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's just amazing. And uh, all the mentors really care about just showing the kids to, you know, serve the song. And uh, I've, I'm still learning and I still learn every single time I go there, even more every single year. So, you know, mm. it's just a really caring environment. And that's how, that's what breeds the family aspect. Yeah. <laughs> Bring your kids to Roots Rock so uh, they can be abused. Yeah. <laughs> we provide the welding helmet. Oh, my God. That was an anomaly. It was one time. <laughs> I promise. Well, you know, Butch had this thing where he was very just like kind of Yosemite Sam, just like bam, bam, bam. But his intention was always right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, sure. you know. He is not the guy that I would – it kind of surprised me. Like, I can't picture him throwing a stick at a kid at the camp. So it means that if he did it – He cares. You know. No. Well, and also he's probably trying to – probably wasn't the first time he told him or you – know, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah it, it matters. There was it really matters. When uh, we were playing Hotlanta and I was so spaced out because – Cody and Butch were doing the double jumps. Oh man, Butch used to yell at Cody because at the time Cody was playing light and soft. He was like, play, play. Just like our dad. That generation was rough, man. But um <laughs> I heard a story about that from Phil was like the same thing. Uh I think uh who was I talking with? Gee, anyway, it was like we were talking about having the the conversation. You know, like it's not a solo, like everybody right. have a conversation together. Yep. So I guess it was maybe a new lineup of guys or whatever, and everybody was holding back a little too much. And Phil has this system where he could step on a pedal and talk into the mic, but nobody in the but the band can hear it. Yeah. So he just had had enough and he just stepped on the pet thing and then he goes into the mic and he goes, play. <laughs> you know, like, play. Wake up, people. You know? Wow. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was like a jump start. <laughs> Man, Phil's a great DJ. There's a philosophy that, that he told us uh, at Terrapin once. He was like, our thing was never play it the same way once. I love that. <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. Oh, right. So his, I was tripping out on Cody and Butch doing the double drums in the solo of Hot Lana. Well, at the end of the solo, it comes back in with the kicks. And I missed it. Because I was just I was just so happy and spaced out in the music and just watching Cody and Butch just get at it. And Cody's like living his dream. Like we didn't fuck with the Grateful Dead or Fish. Like for us, it was the Almond Brothers and Jimi Hendrix. That was our so to yeah. like for Butch to be teaching us by hand how to play, you know, it was really amazing. And so anyway, so I'm fucked up that the hits in hot Atlanta coming out Well, the next day I'm walking to camp, just walking to breakfast. And all of a sudden I hear, and it's Butch in his minivan. And he comes racing past me, hits the brakes, skeeches out. We're in the street. I'm walking down the road. And he's like, boy, you know, to hit the hits in hot Atlanta. Don't you ever miss those hits again. Nice. <laughs> <was> like, wow. <laughs> You're right, man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he came in like Yosemite Sam in the minivan. <laughs> you know, like, that's great. Oh, but man, you know, what, what's a Bobism like or a um, uh, Kreutzmann like? Do you have any good tidbits to share with us? Oh, man, there's so many. I mean, you know, this, this is another thing about Roots Rock for people that, 
don't know about it, and we hope you will find out. You know, Butch Trucks started it, so it, it it was it started out being the roots of Almond Brothers music, which is a lot of stuff: blues, funk, jazz, you know, country, bluegrass. In my mind, because I always put country and bluegrass together, and then, <clears throat> but the whole jam band world, you know, the the Grateful Dead and the Almond Brothers are kind of you know at the top of the heap there in the jam band world, and um, so. As more of us started playing in the the Dead's music, we are bringing more of that in, you know. So I'm hoping one day to get Kreutzmann to Ooh. the camp, you know, and Mickey too, because it's great to to hear their stories and stuff. But um, I think one of my favorite things about Bill, who we just had on the podcast, is his thing about removing judgment. Yeah, you know, and just leaving the critic behind. So it's like. Uh, when you're in a school of fish, you know, you're connected with the whole school and everybody's moving in unison and he doesn't want to think about mistakes, not even for a millisecond. He wants to be in the thing, always going forward, that be here now thing in the moment, you know, and he does, he has a superpower where he could just, he just starts playing. It's very, that's a feminine thing, like a jazz thing and a New Orleans thing to it. And it's just super easy to play with. Mm-hmm. It's super easy to improv with forever, you know. And some people have that, and some people don't. Like Taz, you have that. You're one of the easiest people for me to jam with. Oh my! God. And it's been that way since you were really young. And I just thought he just has it. That's it. Some people, you can tell they're like, "Well, I don't know what to play now," and you just like. As soon as the groove starts, you're just like boom, and you're off, and it just goes where it, it just keeps going. Hey, thank we would you play so with Vadakovich. We played those. Oh, Johnny with B. Vodakovich. Yeah, with Vodakovich. Uh, he's because he doesn't like to play. Know. He doesn't like to have a set list. He just wants to. He's like just play. We just play. Yeah, and you I mean, showed up and I, just. That's how you know. I those were some of my earliest music memories. I've been really blessed to play with some awesome people since I was you know nine or ten. An example being Johnny Vidakovich and, you know, learning from him, just just watching him sit back and lean back and just, you know, play whatever he was feeling at that time, you know, just serving the song, not worrying about, you know, oh, what am I going to play next? Just feeling it, really. And that's how, you know, that's just how I tried to approach it from there. And like watching people like you and Luther, who is just effortless and you're not trying to play the lick that you learned yesterday. You're just trying to. <laughs> just really feel it and feel the vibe and the energy of the room and everyone else playing. And uh, there's something really special about specifically him with that. Cause he, you know, at 4am at a, at a bar, at, you know, jazz fest at Maple Leaf, you know, he's not going to be too worried about what's happening next. He's just trying to live in the moment. And I think yeah. the moment is really where that lives. Yeah. A lot of those old guys, I think probably the thing I learned the most from him, if I think of just all of them from Johnny V to Greg Allman, we're like all the all the people that I've played with is like mean what you play, mm. mean it. You know, you may not pref- you may prefer Jerry's version of whatever than Bob's, but there's certain things Bob sings, man, that are Jerry's that he means so much. I'm like, it just like mm-hmm. it gets me. I'm like, he means that's his life, man. Yeah, that's his life. And it's uh, and that's what I, I think. That's where it's like uh, it even transcends art. 
Mm. Like humanity to me is above art because art could be forms. This is just <laughs> my life into your soul, <laughs> you know. That's magic, you know. That's yeah. uh that's the real stuff. Yeah. That is some heavy stuff, man. When Bob sings Jerry's songs now, it's powerful, man. That's Dude, true. Yes. Powerful. Some of them are just like, oh. Yeah, it really is powerful. Yeah. I love what he's been doing lately with the Wolf Bros, too. Like, just this the sound of it. It's so stripped down and just, I don't know. It's a whole other take on these classic tunes. And it just proves Hunter's writing is literally timeless, you know? Well, I mean, you get that chemistry every once in a while. You know, you have this chemistry. And when that certain group of people gets together, yeah. something incredibly magical happens. They could hate each other's guts. And yeah. it's not going to happen unless they get together, you know? Yeah, and uh, when you see those things happen, that's another thing I I think kind of helped me land where I was. It's from uh, learning from Kofi. I always wanted to be in a band where you're all, you're all kind of learning together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a Rubik's Cube that we're all doing. And uh, I see that at Roots, too. Like, um, so what what is your band situation now, Taz? Are you... I guess the pandemic <laughs> yeah. put, a, put a stop to it for a while. Yeah, but I've, all the musicians in my band, you know, we're all just constantly learning together. And it's not, it's a thing where, you know, when we're jamming and stuff and we're playing the songs, we're just constantly learning and trying to be better every night and trying to try new things. And it's really hard to get away from the fear of messing up. That's what we're trying to, you know, tackle right now. And uh, mm-hmm. just trying to, make it new every night, you know, like Luther said, never play the same thing once. It's really hard to do that if you're playing sim- a similar set every night. And uh, sometimes it's sometimes it's just really good to play with the same group of people, you know, every time because you really learn to open your chops up and try new things and, you know, escape from your comfort zone. That's why somebody like Colonel Bruce or even Butch or all of you guys, the mentors, are experts at. Well, you have to be... You know, uh, Nigel's Taekwondo school has this thing on the wall. It says the biggest mistake you could ever make is to be afraid to make one. Yeah. Right? And I thought, wow, that just frees. Because that's what you just learn. If you don't, like, uh, leap off the cliff, you know, sometimes you're going to fall to your death. Exactly. Because you're taking the, you're jumping. Here we go. And also it comes down to a thing like from a fan's perspective where like, we know that what you're doing isn't for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like we know that what you're, if you're playing for everyone, if you're playing for mass popular, like to be the most popular and the most easily malle, like, you know, fit into everyone's, square peg like a round hole we we don't want that like i yeah. like that everything is kind of a couple degrees to the to the weird and i'm happy to be in on that joke and in on that you know that's the stuff that i think is so important where you guys could trust fall into the audience and we got you and we will cheer you on cuz we know you're trying and that's one of the things that's so interesting about being you know i talk to a lot of people who have no idea they think you know, jam bands and improvisational music is all just this noodly, like go nowhere shit. And it's like, you guys have no idea how much, how like 
perfectionists these musicians are. Like you need to know everything before you can fuck around with everything. You know what I mean? Like you got, I mean, you got, it's not like this rookie, just cause you're not like playing a straightforward Metallica tune or whatever. Like, that's the thing that's great from our perspective is like watching, you know, man, I remember going to like early North Mississippi shows and just like, because it charged me up. It was like my Van Halen. Like, I loved how fiery you guys were and how energetic. Like, I knew that at your shows, it was going to be just straight, like balls to the wall, fire, like fifth gear. You know, if you came I, to a, a current show, you'd be like, "Man, these guys got old, man." This sucks, yeah, man. but I did too, so I'm all I'm good with it. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm good with it. Hopefully, we, we together, together, man. Together. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking like 2002. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, I just can't do it like that anymore. I don't want to. I don't. I can't be in the room with that type of velocity anymore. You know, like physically, yeah. it hurts my ears. It hurts my. <laughs> used head. to have a shitload of velocity. Oh my man. god, we were living the dream, man. Yeah, but Cody. Cody was super young too. You guys were like, God, it was strong. so good, <laughs> man. It man, was... I remember like those early festival days, and even maybe like the first Bonnaroo. I think. Yeah, yeah, dude. You guys just blew my blew my mind, and I was uh, just from that point on. Anytime I saw you guys on any lineup, I was like, Hell yeah, man! This uh, is where thanks. we go to get charged up to make it to the late night stuff. You know, I think now more it's about the joy. You know, the joy of music as opposed mm-hmm. to just like the excitement of we're doing it. <laughs> no but i mean like i also like was so head over heels in love with like the word yeah and all the stuff that you i mean like it was all just so beautiful we were talking about it the other night me and a couple friends that like there was this period of time in the early 2000s that i felt was kind of like a summer of love type vibe Mm -hmm. where like our scene really kind of did blossom and there were so many great shows every night of the week no matter where you were you're right. You guys were just, there was a lot of really incredible music and a lot of incredible collaborations and, you know, and Schofield was, and Medeski and you man. got the word and all the, like such fun, just everything had such an upbeat, like hopeful vibe to it. And the, the, the quote unquote jam band genre, it wasn't, it was every style, you know? Yeah. It, it was like, we didn't fit in. Nobody really fit in. It's like, if, but if you could just get that spirit conjure up that spirit that's all people were really looking for it didn't matter what style music you played you know no that's why i always call it the island of misfit toys because it's all the people that didn't really fit in yeah <laughs> you know, it's like, right. yeah it's like remember the kid at roots rock oh i can't remember his name but um we should I really guess he get... didn't have a, a lot of friends at school or whatever <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i know we should do it I, yeah i feel bad me but, too I, I was there when uh, his mom told me that, you know, he was at one of the jams, you know, and he came to her like really emotionally. He was like, mom, I found my people, oh, you know, wow, like I guess he beautiful. didn't really get along with as, as many kids at school or whatever. But he was, I was just like, wow. man, whatever, like that one thing alone yep. is just worth all seven years you know of doing it there's an amazing story it It was butch's granddaughter right brandon you could tell the story i wasn't there yeah uh there were two there were two stories where people who had like never jammed with anyone in their lives never improvised uh, and never improvised ever were like jammed for the first time like melody trucks uh butch trucks daughter actually like came up on stage and Hub Chasen actually helped her come up on stage and sing in front of her dad, Butch Trucks. And like, from that moment on, like, 
it was a total it was a total moment if you were there where like uh they there was one of the they were so happy together and and butch didn't even know that she could sing and wow. now she obviously has this amazing band that she's in and she's like wow. touring now which is crazy but that was all the start of it it was because of hub and um also butch trucks granddaughter um i was with we have this whole friend group thing going on and she was like yeah i have my violin here but we had never I've never jammed on it with anyone. I don't even know what jamming is. So we were like, we were all like, let's get, come on. You got to come on with us, you know? So we were in the barn at like 2 a.m. And she played Jessica with us. And it was insane. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, we just, the thing at Roots is whenever, specifically I see somebody who just is just sitting there passively, I always try to make sure to get them in. Because I remember feeling like that in school, you know? And uh, feeling like that in life a lot. Because, you know, I didn't always fit in the greatest so I always just try to make sure to uh, make sure everybody's feels included and uh, roots is a family environment. Like I keep saying, you know, that's beautiful. Yeah, I remember that. I wish that's I really could remember great, his man. name. There's a young kid that came up to me, played bass. He's little. And he's like, they won't let me sit in. We were like, oh, hell no. Uh-uh. Come on. <laughs> we got to I think I might've went to Matthew. Just yeah, Winsky. Jazz, it was yeah. like, Hey man, can you make sure that they don't like edge him out? And cause I can't be everywhere at once, you know, but I really love that, that you guys who have like come up in the camp are now kind of like elders and teachers and policers, you know, I mean, we yeah. don't police, but you know, we, we have eyes make, out. Make sure everybody has fun, you know? Yeah. It's all yeah. That's so important. That's so, that's so important. Anyone who ex- has ever experienced that in life, no matter what, whether it's on a team or going to, you know walk into that new high school and the whole, all the kids are so big and scary. And then one guy's like, Hey, you know, come sit with us at lunch or whatever. You're like, yeah. all right, it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And, and we have those, we have those first day of schools a lot in our life. So it's, yeah. especially when you're doing something that you love, if it was an art, if it was a painting camp, if it was a comedy camp, like you want the love of your peers so yeah. much and you want them to know that like, Hey, I'm, you could count on me, you know, like yeah. I could be a part of the jam. Everyone deserves to feel that feeling of, you know, comfort and just yeah. love. And everyone deserves to feel like they fit in. And at Roots, I it's guaranteed. Everyone <laughs> just, everyone knows each other. Everyone loves each other. Everyone's just trying to jam and, you know, have fun. And it always happens. It never fails. Awesome. I love that, uh, the kind of uh, philosophy that <clears throat> Joe Craven and Victor Wooten have where like everybody can play Mm. and uh i want everybody to feel free to make mistakes just the fact that she felt free enough to jam on violin on jessica Mm. i mean that tells you the kind of vibe that you have going that so that's a scary thing to do man especially a lot of these kids are really good (laughs) like really good Really, 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 really good. And so for someone to like not have uh, ever jammed to feel comfortable enough to go up there and make mistakes and not sound good, and you know we're we're cheering you on. I mean, that's priceless, really. Yeah, I wasn't there, but I heard that Lara was like, because she was like holding her violin, and she was like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And Lara was like, just play one note. And she played, yeah. and she said, play one more. Yum. and then she was gone <laughs> yeah. and, that was and everybody it. was going like go 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 oh, and she was amazing. amazing she was amazing like she was oh. so good sometimes they don't even the people who are the shyest don't even know that they're like the best 
So it's yeah. like they were yeah. they don't even know how talented they really are. And she's so insanely talented. And yeah, that's exactly how it happened, where she just kept inching towards it and then finally <laughs> just jumped into the song. And, you know, uh, it, was a, it was an amazing moment for sure. Well, you know, you know, what's incredible to think about, too. And as you go through life, you'll see there are so many people who don't get that moment to play one note and then yes. two. And they're holding on to that thing until they die, man. And they never get yeah. the chance to actually, you know, hear that note or hear the, you know, world cheering them on. And that's a bummer. It's so great that like, I mean, to take the spirit of Roots Rock Revival and bring it to the streets and bring it to the government <laughs> and bring it to all these places that stifle everyone, you know, like that, that's what we got to do. But that's so great, man. Brandon, you well, said it earlier, dude, just like letting everyone know that it's like, you know, they are included and they are welcome. Like that's... It's your generation that has to make sure that that happens, dude, because we blew it. <laughs> well, we're, we're trying. We're you know, trying, but. We're trying. And also, to the to some of the older people, I always go, you know, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. That's right. You know, like, yeah. I, it's so, they get better and better for me as I get older. Now I've seen the younger kids get older and yeah. I'm hanging with the grandparents or becoming one of the grandparents, you know. And uh it's just it's something to see, man. It's something to feel. That's what I should say. It's really something to feel. Mm. It's quite a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon, That's you nice. worked with Bootsy recently, right? Yeah, I did work with Bootsy. That was crazy. Did he have some words of wisdom for you? Yeah. Uh first of all, that whole experience, he flew me out to um like the Midwest and you know, I had like a limo at the airport and stuff. And like, he Damn. brought me to the studio and I get there and all he does is, you know, he's telling me to just forget everything out the door, forget everything that I'd learned previously and just to feel it. And I had no script. He just played the song and I played over it like 80 times, just playing whatever I thought. And he just, you know, he's a mad scientist, you know, he's a coder. He'll just take what he wants. So there was really nothing to be afraid of. So I stopped fearing that I was in the room with this titan of music, this person that everyone looks up to. Yeah. And uh, that's another, that's a person who just made me feel really good in that studio and made me, made me feel really included. He wasn't there trying to be all cool and stuff because he could be, and I would have been okay with that because he's Bootsy Collins, like crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, he, the way he works is just happiness in the room and trying new things. And that's, how it was really and i'm mm. super honored to be on a song with snoop dogg and bootsy collins i never <laughs> thought that would ever happen in my life yes. Hell yeah, but man. uh nice it's amazing it's amazing and I, it's, it was an experience i'll never forget for sure you I gotta help you us get him to roots rock oh i will try my best i will definitely ask him <laughs> i picture a limo sent by bootsy to be bright orange with like shag carpet on the inside and disco balls and all types of cool shit it was, it was crazy <laughs> Like a D-Light video. Have you guys seen the, the Tales from the Tour Bus, the second season on the funk? I've got to. I still haven't watched it. They're like, dude, it's the best. Yeah, the best stuff ever. I could listen to Boosie talk forever. I mean, his voice is yeah. so beautiful. His laugh. What network is that on? I bought it on iTunes. Remember? I think it's Showtime okay. or something, but. I'll just get it on. If I can get it on iTunes, I'll do it. Oh, my God. I hung out with Bootsy one time at a NAMM show, and uh I think his mom had passed or something, and he just had this like big change, life change, where he was just like you know, not partying, not whatever, you know, and he was just laying 
laying the wisdom on me. We have like, you know, it's such a like Nam showy environment, you know, and yeah. we're just off in the corner having this like super deep conversation. I was just like, wow. But he was also dressed like Bootsy, you know. Yeah. But I was just like, this is great, man. I never thought that I would get to talk to him at all. But now we're having like this private, like super deep moment in this like, it's being filmed and all. I was just like, wow, this was, that was fun. So. Man, I'm I'm excited for Roots Rock this year. I'm gonna come hang, and I'm yes, gonna, yeah. We need to do a, a come to time podcast from Roots. Yes, Ooh. live from Roots for sure. I don't yeah. see the because you can feel the vibe, man. If, you, if we come through there with a video camera, oh, yep, man. you can feel a it. A bunch of mics, a you bunch of it. you know seats for people to come up and join us on the podcast, and we'll do it live and we'll improvise podcasting. Yeah. Maybe you could do a set of stand-up at the Roadhouse. One yes. you, don't ask, you don't have to ask me twice. I'm there, man. Yeah. I'm there. Speaking Absolutely. of which, man, I mean, the early years of open mic, must have that must be the most terrifying thing that, <laughs> yeah. that, more than yeah. anything we've lived through. Well, <laughs> it was pretty – yeah, it's, it's weird. And, you know, doing it in the New York area um, was interesting because there were places – so there's like two scenes that correspond – coexist there's the club scene and then there's the alt scene which is basically brooklyn and queens and lower east side and soho coffee shops bakeries after hours mexican restaurants that you know let us do comedy to people who don't know there's gonna be comedy and uh they don't like it but um (laughs) that there's these places where you kind of like will go up and throw your name in a bucket and you wait around and you get your name called and you go up and do two minutes. It's and it's all comics who aren't laughing. And it's just to hear yourself say these words and tighten them up and run to the next place and the next place. And, you know, so those open mic, those beginning moments were, uh, they were scary and they were also, I mean, cause I started later, you know, I was like 29 or 28 when I started. So it was like, I got to make it on the first round, you know? So I went in there with like a purpose. Like I didn't have time to like blow it for 10 years, you know? So I kind of was luckily, I did all my partying and shit beforehand. (laughs) So I went into it with like a business mind. Like it's time to do some comedy, you know? And I went in with like ideas and did everything I possibly could. And I learned very quick. Steve Martin said it the best that stand-up comedy is the ego's last stand. Cause it's just, you're there and you're like thinking about the thing that just left your mouth and you're thinking about what is coming next while you're delivering this thought in the middle that you're not thinking about because you're too busy thinking about what just happened and what's about to happen. So you're just all over. You're like tripolar. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you get off stage and it's like, whoa, like the adrenaline's coming from everywhere and you don't know if it was good or bad or what, but. Yeah, and it's there's it no is, school for it either. There's no like summer camp. The, the first for time comedy, I, you know, well, you, you <laughs> know, it's like a, you know what's funny, O'Teal, is the first time I ever did stand up was at Caroline's on Broadway, and it was at like one of these new talent things. And what I learned afterwards is that like the clubs offer this because you have to bring like ten to fifteen of your friends, mm. and like it's a guaranteed sold out night, so it's just kind of putting butts in seats, you know, and they you get young comics or people who want to do it. And I had signed up for one and I went up with five minutes of material and I never did it before. And I got up and I did well. 
And I walked off stage like, this is a breeze. Comedy's a joke. I got this, you know? And I ran out into the streets of New York and was like, watch out, Manhattan. Here comes, you know, the next Carlin. And I did that same set in at like St. Mark's, like at an open mic, like two days later, crickets, not one laugh. People are walking out. And I'm like, oh, this is comedy. I realized the only reason why I did good was because it was a room full of gratuitous people that were happy just to see their friends, you know? And I was like, okay, all right. So it was like a false positive at, up front. And then I really had to kind of dig myself out of that hole. And my ego was just laughing and pointing, you suck, you know? And then I had to really learn, like, uh, this is going to take a lot of work. And that's when I was hooked. That when it was too easy to off the front, it was like, all right, like I could do this. But then when I realized this is going to take a ton of work, that's when I was like, yep, I'm, I'm not, I knew right away that like, if it was something I didn't care about, that's when I would have bailed, but I wanted yeah. to do it even more. I was like, where's the next room? Where's the next open? Like, where's the closest place I can go to do it again? And that was it. It was just on from there. That's yeah. how I felt in the teenage years. It was just early, but that first time when you're like, but you have that resistance and it's like a mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. That energy is just like, we're doing this, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's good. You can have it later as <laughs> yeah. well as earlier. You know, it's just yeah. about if you're, if you love it enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I do love it. I'm glad, it, I'm glad we're back. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. Glad we're I'm all glad back. We're back. Yeah. Well, guys, it's really good to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. We wanted to let the world know uh, what's what we got going on at Roots Rock, how we yeah. do it. We'll have some stand-up comedy next time. Yes. Please. <laughs> please come. I promise. Oh, Bless I'm us. there, man. Bless us, please. <laughs> 2022, we got to do it. Thank All you guys right, so man. much. Can't wait to see you guys live real soon, man. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.